Hello and welcome to Divided by Brand, the weekly podcast show for entrepreneurs, business owners and influencers. If you want to learn more about branding, hear from industry experts and first-hand accounts about ways that you might find yourself divided by your own business's brand, then this is the show for you. Join me, your host, Dan O'Cook, a brand identity specialist with over 20 years design experience and founder of Vi Design Co. I'm going to talk everything brand, but more specifically, I want to go behind the scenes of real life brand challenges that businesses and individuals have faced that has left them divided in their mind or divided by the people around them. I want you to learn with me exactly what real life brand divides people have faced and by overcoming them, did they help to create success? And don't forget, if you're not sure exactly what your brand is and how strong your brand is performing, then you can take my Brandscape Strength Test. It's designed specifically for anyone who wants to uncover six core areas of their business and how the brand is performing. It's completely free and the links are in the show notes. And I think you'll agree, that's quite enough jazzy intro. Can we just start the show, please? Hello and welcome to this episode of Divided by Brand. I'm your host, Dan O'Cock, and here's what's coming up on today's show. My Divided by Brand spotlight guest on this episode is a gentleman all the way from the States called DeRay Alale. And if you've read the show notes, you will realize, or if you haven't, I'm going to tell you now that DeRay lives and breathes real estate investment. And that to me, from what I see around when I'm Googling things or the kind of LinkedIn pages that I'm on, has a kind of a weird brand image. And I'm quite keen to find out from Duray what made him go into that marketplace, um, how he differentiates himself as a brand within that. And I think really to find out a little bit more about what he thinks of the marketplace as a brand, that real estate tag, that flipping um, properties that people would refer to. Um, so yeah, we're going to hear a little bit about Duray, his story, how he's got to where he is now, and where he plans to go with the brand that he has created for himself. So let's join Duray on this episode of Divided by Brand. Welcome to the show, DeRay. It's absolutely fantastic to finally uh, get you on. And of course, me saying that finally doesn't mean anything to anybody because they don't realize that this is our, is it our third attempt at this interview? It, it, it may just be, third or fourth. <laughs> and, in, and it's kind of been out of our hands because we've had, I think, maybe some COVID-related incidents, but there was also some weather-related incidents for you, wasn't oh, yeah. there? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
yeah, I'm in the in the great state of Texas. And if uh, you guys are listening to this any anytime after uh, around February, March in uh, 2021, uh, then you know that we uh, our power grid just completely just just left us and decided not to work um, because we don't normally get snow or too much snow down here, and we just didn't have the infrastructure. And yeah, it's it, that's that that was definitely one of our our reschedule moments for sure. I know, I remember it well. So it's great to get you finally sat behind the mic on your side of the world and um, me on mine. I've had my questions prepped for however many weeks, <laughs> so <laughs> I'm ready to rock. And one of the first things that I like to get guests to just give me a little recap of their last few weeks is I love to hear three wins. So three things that have gone really well that you go double thumbs up over the last few weeks tell us what's gone well for you uh well three weeks uh you said three three wins okay so three wins one win number one is i have found a crm a customer relationship management software that i absolutely love i'm big on automation and i'm big on delegation and if i can automate everything inside of my crm and an app called Zapier, then I can free up my time to do what I really love to do, which is help and serve. Uh, second big win is that I found a virtual assistant because um, virtual assistants are very hard to come by if you don't know. Uh, actually, reliable ones that will stick around for a long, a long time. Okay. Um, I found a virtual assistant that I think really, really meshes with the company and they've been doing amazing work for the past month and a half and I'm just so happy to have them. Nice. Win number three is uh, this may be my highest grossing month in real estate as far as um, properties that I've bought. I think uh, we're going to hit one, if not $1.5 million in uh, purchased real estate this month. So those are three big wins and I'm going to pass it back to you, Daniel. You are out of the gates fast for 2021 because they're good wins. The first two kind of, you know, good, but that third one was a bit of a mic drop. That's just oh, like, oh, I'm by here. the way, <laughs> by the way, I buy real estate with none of my own money, no money down. I think the most I, I've spent to acquire these deals is about 80 bucks. 80 bucks, Daniel. 80 bucks. I love this. And this is where we're going to go with um, with the interview and the kind of questions because I've, I've already done the intro and, and let everybody hear a little bit, a bit, a bit of background about you. Um, and I'm going to get into some personal questions and sort of introduce you properly. Um, I want to give you that chance to paint the picture for the listeners. And, you know, I think if people tune into this episode, download it, and they start to Google or look in the show notes, you're, they're going to find your Before the Millions website. Um, and before we delve into the business and the brand, I'm quite keen to find out from you what has brought you to the point of Before the, the, before the Millions. Why did you start the journey that you're on? Great, great question. I um, I absolutely love kind of just going back into the time machine, peeling back the onion and kind of figuring out like not only my journey, but other people's journey. And that that's kind of the premise. That's why my, my, my brand and everything is called Before the Millions, because I feel like if we if we can just like learn what the successful people have done to get their, to their successes, we can imitate and mimic um, some of those uh, some of those traits and attributes and businesses, business models and create that same success. So that's why my brand is called Before the Millions. But what's my before the million story is that um, I was a 25 year old corporate entrepreneur. Uh, 
I said corporate entrepreneur, that doesn't even go together. I was a corporate employee <laughs> um, yeah. and I, um, and I was working for a, a, a big four accounting firm. If you guys don't know what a big four accounting firm is, because I know this is a um, uh, super specific to a niche, but um, it's kind of like the the Princeton's or the Yale's or the Harvard's uh, in the accounting world. Like you can't get into these companies. You have to have like a perfect GPA. You have to, you know, you have to really know somebody and you have to like be like a superstar at school. So um, I was fortunate enough to get into uh, get my, my, my very first full time job was at one of these firms. And, you know, um, the American dream, which may be a dream extend that extends past America, but the American dream is to work at one of these firms, you know, get a house, get some kids, uh, you know, have, have, have the suburban life and, you know, two kids and two nice luxury cars. And, you know, you're set. And when you get to one of these firms, they tell you, Hey, t- it takes about 10 to 12 years to become what's called a partner, which okay. is somebody just really high up in the firm. And at that point you're making about a half a million dollars a year. So I was like, okay, cool. This is, this is my story. This is what I'm going to do. Yeah. Um, two years into that process, Daniel, I, I hated it. It sucked. Okay. I was, I, w- I was depressed. I was literally depressed. I, I went to work every day and I, and I and I dreaded it. I was working about 75 hours a week. Um, I was working Saturdays and Sundays sometimes. Um, yeah. I remember like I would miss out on loved ones, weddings and anniversaries and all this stuff. And I was just like, man, like, is this really worth it? And I wasn't really making a whole lot yet because I hadn't hit that 10 or 12 year mark. I was in year one and year two. I was like, am I, am I going to do this for the rest of my life? Am I going to work 70, 75 hours a week and literally just like not own my time? Um, I love to travel, Daniel. That's one thing about me that you see in all my social media. I love to go on sabbaticals. I love to be in different countries for not weeks at a time, but months at a time. That's what I love to do. And if I'm not able to do that, I feel I feel restricted. So, um, you know, I I was just like, how can I how can I how can I? rid myself of this, this, this job, this, you know, and this is what most people are trained to do for all their lives. But I, after two years, I said, I cannot do this for 40 years. I'm going to see how people do it. You know, I realized that during that process, you know, working 75 hour weeks, yeah, it's cool. They try to bribe you with Amex cards and, you know, four-star hotels. And, you know, you get all these points because you travel so much. I would go to San Francisco and, you know, I would think, oh, that's a great city to go to for work. But then you'd be stuck behind a cubicle for the entire time that you're there. So you really feel like you're back at home. It wasn't worth it, you know? So, um, I realized that I wanted a different path and, um, I got depressed. I, I definitely talked to people, family members, mom, everybody. I was just like, what do I do? How do I get out of this? And it wasn't until one day this, um, this woman, uh, her name is Morgan and she hands me this little purple book. And at this point in my, my adult life, I hadn't read a single book and I'm not ashamed to say this. I hadn't read a single book as an adult ever. Okay. Yeah, so like yeah. from, from 18 to 25, I hadn't read a single book. I had tried to read this book called the 48 laws of power by Robert Greene, but I, I would, I would pick it up and put it down every few years. And I would try to read it on flights. And just, I just wasn't a reader, but when she handed me this book, it's called rich dad, poor dad by Robert Kiyosaki. It, it changed everything about my life. Like it was like the, the secret code, the hidden message, the, the, the language that I had been trying to speak all my life. Like I was just like, where has this book been? And okay. uh, that was, that was just the first of many. After that book, I started reading about a book a week up, up until now. I, I'm pretty close to 150 books that I've read. I, that's all I do is read now. And it's crazy for the person who hadn't read as an adult ever until that book. So that book kind of got me started on my journey. I started investing in real estate and um, we can get into that story, but that's really how yeah. my, my journey really started. I'm intrigued by that uh, little part of the story as well because I 
I kind of echo, I'm hearing myself in what you're explaining because from the reading side of things, I've never really been a reader and I have started to try and pick some books up and get into them. It's kind of tricky with a family life um, to put a little bit more time aside, um, you know, an hour to sit down and read. It becomes a, a choice between spending an hour with my wife or reading a book about running a business at times at the minute. Right. Um, it's a bit of a juggling act, but I, I, I do understand what you mean when it's, it's when you get introduced to a different way of thinking or a different um, angle or approach to something that lets you um, take a step to the side and look at what you were doing which I think it sounds like that happened um, to you when I think when we talked in your, your our intro call you kind of phrase it as this disdain for corporate America and it sounds like that purple book was this moment where that became clear that it wasn't your path um and 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 is it was it the book that kind of really made you just go nah this is not for me i'm changing absolutely before the book i don't know i was just lost daniel i was just trying to find something i don't know if that was another um another firm you know another city in the same firm another position another career i was just like i can't like i can't do this like what what can i do and the the second i read that book it it was like no it's it's none of those like this is it like this is the manuscript and the funny thing is once i read that book i started like researching all these things that my search browser had probably never seen me do before like what is you know what is a lending club and what is a uh, shipping containers and how do i put money into this and i was just, i just became uh you know what a, a, just like everybody a newbie investor just trying to figure out what do i want to invest in in 2021 right now i mean this is this is a time a lot of people are doing that like man bitcoin is going here and ethereum is going here and real estate is going here. Oh my goodness. I need to figure all this stuff out. So that was me back in 2016. Once I read Rich Dad Poor Dad. So I, I, it it was literally a manuscript to tell me direct everything that you've tried to do is wrong. Go this way. (laughs) I like that guiding light. I love it. So what I, when I, when I recorded the intro, where I wanted to kind of steer this is I've got this, the question that I've typed down here is why choose real estate? question mark and the reason i want to delve into that is because over the years probably since that 2016 point that you're mentioning where you kind of made the decision to move to real estate over here in the uk it has the it has a brand image of its own in a way and i'm not talking about you know what you've created but when someone says i'm a real estate investor I have images in my head and I kind of have preconceived ideas or presumptions, if you like, about what that person is going to be like. So I get, yeah, let, let's leave the question, why choose real estate? Let's just leave it at that for now and we'll get into this, but why choose real estate? Absolutely. Um, I think for me, it, it boiled down to my resources. 
who I was and what I had available to me. And I think that, you know, I, a lot of people, um, I, I coach and I train and even guests on my show and my, everything, like people always ask, like, how do I pick real estate or how do I pick, you know, this other vehicle or even within real estate? I mean, there's a million different products in real estate. How do I choose one of these niches as opposed to, you know, land or apartments or single family homes, right? Why, why anything? And again, for me, I think it started, it's really just started with my resources, but before even my resources, reading, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and all the books right after that, it, it, it showed me that I was working for money and yeah. my time is finite, right? There's no way that I can ultimately be wealthy if I'm getting paid an hourly wage or I'm getting paid a salary wage. Like there's, there's, there's a cap on my income. Yeah. And through that book and many other books, I realized that I needed to have my money work for me meaning that I invest one time into something and that thing pays me every single month. And that way, every single time I get another one of those things, let's just call it a cow, we can call it real estate, whatever. Every single time I get one, a, a brand new cow, I have a brand new income source and that frees up even more time. And that gives me even more time with my family. That gives me even more time to, and resources to go out and do the things I want to do. You know, it gives me, gives me leverage. Right. Um, so I, I just knew that for me, it was a very simple and stable vehicle to understand. How good. So the, you could, you could really see straight without that exponential growth, so to speak. So one can give you this amount, two can give me that and you can just see it adding or stacking up so to speak absolutely yes sir and then also my professional experience don't forget i was an accountant for i was for a big four accounting firm so i was auditing the financial statements of some of the biggest real estate companies in the world and once i got fired from that job which yes i did get fired once i got <laughs> fired from that job i went on to be a private equity uh, consultant for a large a large uh, hedge fund manager based out of new york they were managing about 26 billion dollars of assets and that all of those were real estate assets so again i took what was around me i took the knowledge I got out of Rich Dad Poor Dad, and I took the skills that I already had to to choose an industry that I ultimately wanted to try to dominate. Nice, nice. So that does make sense. I can definitely see or hear your financial um, brain clicking around why real estate was going to be the one or the route that you wanted to go down. But let me delve further then. And when I was, I was kind of introducing that question or talking around that question. What do you think of the brand image that property investment has or real estate investment? Um, I think it's that that cool thing that people look at, at least again, this is my viewpoint, I, yeah. especially at the time. I think it's that cool thing that people look at that it's like, man, that's awesome. Like, I wish I can do that or that, that seems pretty cool or imagine a lifestyle like that. but. That's, that's not for me. Like, I mean, I could never do that. I mean, first off, I don't have millions of dollars. I don't have capital. I don't have the experience. I don't know where to start. I've never invested money. I don't even know investors. There's so many, you know, so many things as to why people, you know, shy away from it, but they always look at it as that distant, cool thing that, man, like whenever I do have someone, I'm going to put into real estate or, or, you know, it's just that, that thing that, again, it's just, it's like a shiny object, but you're, you're never really, you're never really chasing. I think that, um, most of these shows, right? Most of these shows, most of the real estate celebrities, if, if, if they're, if they're a whole lot, um, they, they live a life that a lot of us wish we could live. Um, but again, we just don't think it's attainable. So I think that's the overall image is this, this far out in the distant, you know, thing that seems pretty cool, but it's just not, not, not for me, not possible for me. Yeah. I think I, I do know what you're saying. It's there's that, <sighs> 
it kind of almost rubs into that entrepreneur mindset that again we're going to come into again but it it becomes an image and a tag of like i am a real estate investor and look what i drive or um look what i look how many where i am this week in terms of my property portfolio uh, do you think that 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 image um is it is is it a healthy way to for that is it call it an industry but that sector I don't know I just have this thing about right. it being oh, I love really this question. like do you know what I mean yeah and, and the, the fact that you ask it that way just just shows me that we may be in alignment because you know you you can go to my Instagram and you'll see what's important to me you can go to my social media and you'll see what's important to me and I know a lot of investors who who use those those things I and mean, we can call it clickbait we can call it just showing off we can call it whatever yeah. but they use the cars the big houses and all that to you know to bring more people in to get more attention and, and all that stuff and you know it's cool it, it's dope and even it's a vanity metric as far as like how many units you have and how many buildings you own and all that stuff and you know if you if you look at the tagline when, when I talk about before the millions yeah. it's a tagline that is lifestyle design through real estate and you know I often talk about the fact that most people believe that to live their ultimate lifestyle design they need to be millionaires and that's just not the case absolutely you know, you know, you get you, you, there. There are clients of mine who make 60, 70 grand a year passively through real estate and they travel the world and they live their ultimate lifestyle. They, they literally live their dreams and they don't make a whole lot of money. They make, again, um, a wage earner's salary like it's 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 a beautiful life. You have achieved your lifestyle design. And then I have people, you know, who make $300,000 a year, they drive the fancy cars They have the, you know, they live in the best neighborhood and, you know, they get their wife and, and their husbands, everything they want. And, you know, they're, they're flat broke at the end of the month, every single month, but there's this image they're upholding. And that's not lifestyle design to me. Even if, even if, even if they are wealthy, that's, you know, it's, it's a vanity metric. So I've always been of the mindset and of the school of thought that I want to. I want to. I want. I want my message to be a little bit different from the normal. You know, look at all these cars. You know, you don't. You don't even see my car once on any social media. You don't see any of that stuff. You don't. You don't see um, how big my portfolio is unless you're going to like our actual investment site where you're looking to invest. Like you know, like you know, those aren't those are vanity metrics, right? So yeah. I think that um, I think that what we should be focused on, right, rather than getting to a million dollars or whatever the case may be, is how can I achieve my ultimate lifestyle? And again, it's it's far more in reach than most people realize because I talk about the people who make 70 grand a year, but they travel the world. They do everything that they want. They're happy as opposed yeah. to the people making 300 grand a year who are miserable, who are trying to figure out how to balance the, their money at the end of the month. Cause they're, they're flat broke, even though well, again, they I make think, way more money. I think, and sorry to interrupt there, but I think they're the people that have just said the money will make me happy. Mm. They just presume that when that money's there, that they're going to be happy, as opposed to actually working out or sitting down um, and, and deciding what they want to do, rather than how much they want to earn. Like what Absolutely. means, yeah, what means the most to them? Like you just said, you're you're traveling, uh, being a huge passion. So if you want to travel, um, you know, what do you need to earn in order to go out and travel? Um, seven months of the year like if you come at it from that point of view your reward and your lifestyle your, your happiness is going to be um, exactly what you want You, if you think that you've got to make a million dollars a year to be happy then all of a sudden you could very quickly I guess find yourself in this 
slog. That's right. probably, do you know what I mean? Um, right. So is this where that term, a lifestyle entrepreneur, because I put a question there, who or what yes. is a lifestyle entrepreneur? Is that where this comes in? That's where, that's exactly where this comes in. That's exactly where this comes in. And that's why those are the types of people, you know, I love to interact with because again, you think different. I, I thought that the corporate, you know, climbing the ladder, start making millions of dollars, that was for me. But I, I, I realized that what was truly for me and what I, what really made me happy was to, was to be able to dictate. Honestly, I think that's what makes all of us happy to be able to dictate our own terms. And yeah. If I can dictate my own terms, if I can literally do the things that make me happy rather than, again, when I was working in corporate, think about this. I, I was working 70 hours a week for a firm and I didn't get any of the direct benefits that the firm got. Like I'm auditing their, their financial statements so that they can present those statements to investors and make more money. Meanwhile, I'm in a back room, just adding one plus one at equals two. There's no fulfillment there, but you want me to do this for the next 50 years? Damn, you know how many people do that for 50 years with no fulfillment? They don't Far see any many. of the rewards. It's Far just, it's crazy. And then not only that, but the first half of the year, I don't know about you guys' taxes in the UK, but the first half of the year, our taxes are upwards of 30, 40, 50%. If you just not, not just, you know, uh, employment tax and sales tax, there's, there's so many other taxes and everything that you purchase, you know, our taxes that, that, that are taken out of our checks are ridiculous. Right. And, and yeah. in, in essence, I was working from January to May or June just to pay taxes because taxes basically add up to 40, 50% of my money. And when and you then, say it like that, it's crazy. It's crazy, but people are okay with it. People don't question it. It's the way of life. Nobody thinks that, hey, there's another path. And then the yeah. second half of the year, I'm fresh out of college. So, you know, if you got, if you pay rent then or, or you got a mortgage, you're paying the bank. You got credit card bills, you're paying the bank. Um, you got a car note, you're paying the bank. So the first half of the year, all your money is going to Uncle Sam. And then from July to December, all your money is going to the bank. So you're telling me I'm working at a job for 40, 50 years. I have no fulfillment and I have no money money at the end of the year every single year because I got to pay all these other people why am I here <laughs> yeah I know and then well I tell you what then you've got that then you go well I need more money what can I do? need it a lot of money straight away I'll just buy a lottery ticket and you know the mindset of that being the answer is just I, well, I can't even get into that in terms of a of a train of thought or a summary <laughs> or anything but I, I completely um, resonate with everything that you're saying there. It makes complete sense. And we are very privileged, both of us, to be in the situations that we're in. And it's not until you've come out of that, as you call it, rat race, that it becomes more and more clear or more apparent with every passing week, month, year. What What was I doing before that? Do you know what I mean? Right. It's a real eye-opening moment. It's a, and if anybody's sat there, I'll tell you what. Let's, if somebody's listening to the show and they're going, "This is, I need more. I need to know more," and they think real estate and what you're telling them is possibly the way that they want to go. What would you advise them? What three things would you tell somebody listening um, that they would need to do to get into this? lifestyle entrepreneur mindset um, using real estate. Absolutely. So if they've already decided that real estate is their vehicle, then it's just a, a simple matter of asking a few questions to get to exactly 
what that looks like for them because it's different for everybody like i said there's over a hundred different types of real estate vehicles from fixing and flipping or wholesaling to land investing to apartment investing to mobile home parks you name it right so it's just like what do i do and even if you invest in any of those well how do i invest am i a passive investor am i an active investor am i putting money down am i giving somebody else my money am i doing all the work <laughs> myself right so there's so much that goes yeah. on and you know just to really make it simple for a lot of people again i what i did is i started with myself Right. Don't 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 start with the vehicle. Don't go into fixing and flipping and thinking like, okay, well, how do I mold this vehicle or how do I mold my lifestyle to to abide by how this vehicle works? Figure out what you want in your life and then find a vehicle that matches that. So I asked myself just a few questions and I actually created a guide uh, to help any and everybody ask themselves those same questions. If you don't mind, Daniel, it's over at beforethemillions.com forward slash G-U-I-D-E. And they ask you a, a series of questions and it's an assessment, it's free by the way, it's just an assessment to help you just kind of figure out which vehicle is best for you. And uh, once you take the assessment, you'll figure out what vehicle is best for you. And then you'll be able to see podcast episodes that I've done with people in that niche and you can hear more about that vehicle but ultimately the five questions are are this you know one like what what type of lifestyle do you want again it's all about lifestyle design that's the first thing i want you to ask yourself what do you want what is it that truly 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 will make you happy and that may be something that you may have to stew on for a few days or weeks or months or literally for the rest of your life i think um yeah. but, but but two what's your timeline right when i wanted to my, my my number one goal at the time was to quit my job in two years or less Right. So first, my number one goal was to quit my job. That's what I wanted. Right. That was number one. Number two was the timeline, two years or less. OK, now that I know that I can easily I haven't even got to the other questions, but I can easily start to see which vehicles will help me do that. Right. If I'm investing in a vehicle where I have to put down one hundred thousand dollars and I'm making six or seven or eight percent a year, am I really going to be able to quit my job in two years? I don't think so. But if I'm investing in something where I'm making, you know, five or, or extra $10,000 a month, that makes a lot more sense for me to quit my job. So you have to start to understand how each of these vehicles work sure. and make sure that it matches up with what you want, right? Absolutely. Work it backwards. What do you want? And this does, this goes past real estate. This is really anything that you're doing in life. First, what do you want? Second, by when do you want it? Third, what resources do you have? Now, you don't need all the resources in the world. Heck, you don't even need any resources. I just told you guys how I'm locking up deals with just contracts and $10, right? That's how I, I mean, this whole month, I just talked about, I literally lock up a deal with $10 and I sell it to another investor for $20,000. And all, all I did was lock it up with some contracts and a $10 earnest money. You can do that all day. So it's not all about how much money you have. It's about what resources you have. And resources come, come yes, they come monetary, it comes in money, but resources could also be knowledge. Resources yeah. could also be connections right? Resources can be whatever you have at your disposal to make it happen. It's okay if you don't have a whole lot of money, just maybe you have time, right? Resources can be time, right? Find somebody who has money, partner with them, and now you got the time, they got the money, boom. It's okay if you don't have a whole lot of time. Find somebody who has the time, you got the money, boom. I mean, again, just understand what resources you have, and that'll help you navigate your path even further. So now you went from looking at all these real estate vehicles, to now you got your timeline, and you're looking at maybe, you know, four or five vehicles, and now you know what your resources are. So maybe you're down to one or two vehicles that you're ultimately going to pursue. 
So what, uh, I'll save the last two questions um, for, for the guide if you guys want to go check that out. But that's literally what I want you to do because Daniel only gave me three. He said, give me three. So I gave him three. <laughs> we that's got all you one. get. You get three. But I am gonna put, I'm going to put the link to your assessment tool in the show notes. So if anybody missed it, I mean, go back in the audio, but um, I'm going to put the link uh, down in the show notes. So so don't panic. Um, and go, yeah, go visit Duray's site. Obviously, he's got his own resources and guides and he'll um, be the one to to shed a bit more light on that but yeah i just wanted to open up so that at least at this point in the interview just a few pointers for people so i think that's really really interesting and i'm finding it quite interesting as well uh, <laughs> to hear how things go on that side um, of the planet so to speak now i'm going to kind of pull this a little bit again keeping it on point with your business and your brand i know that you've you've got your own podcast and you've actually interviewed over well it'd be well over 170 guests now um yeah. in terms of episodes well which guests or which pick a guest if you can who's really opened up your eyes to something new oh you've man come on the that's, show not, that's not that's not fair daniel <laughs> it's enough to be a favorite it's just i want to know you know you've read that book it changed your way of thinking um, has any guests come on and gone? You, you've interviewed them and gone. This is this is an important interview. This is this is eye opening. <laughs> Why not be? I don't know. <laughs> so 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 the so just really quick, the criteria to, to be on my show is you either have to have your lifestyle design and you're making like a ton of passive income to where you're you're living you know overseas. You're you're living your lifestyle design, or you have to be a millionaire in a real estate business. So literally every single guest just by meeting that criteria every single guest has so much fire daniel like i'm jaw dropped almost every show like i'm just like are you serious you can do that really tell me more um more recently i had a i had a um probably three or four different guests over the past of over the span of three months who invest in just land vacant land and they offer pennies on the dollar for this land. And and, 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 and I kid you not, there's a guy um, most recently, his name is escaping me, but all you have to do is find the land and make the offers and he'll pay for everything. He'll buy nice. the land, he'll give you a cut and he'll do business with you. All you have to do is actually find the land, find the owner, make the offer. If the owner accepts the offer, he'll do everything. And I'm just like, dude, what a brilliant idea. He's making a killing and he's getting so many people get started without having to worry about how am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? Like, oh my goodness, that's so amazing. Um, but yeah, so many guests like that, man. It's, it's really inspirational just to, you know, you're, you're a combination of the five people that you hang around. And I think the five people I hang around are, are the podcasts that I listen to. Because I, I, again, yeah. I, we're, we're entrepreneurs. We're, we're pretty solo dolo. I know you have a, a family that you look after, but outside of the family, it's really the content that you consume. So I try to consume content from great resources and try to always surround myself around people who are thinking at a higher level. But yeah, he's one of them for sure. Yeah, that really does sound like a good episode. And if we, if anyone, if we go back when we've done the interview and we, you want to pop that um, and find out what that episode is and who the guest was. I'm doing again, it right now. We That's... can include it in the uh, show notes to send people over there. Absolutely. Um, now, I've wrote this question down and... I'm looking at it and I actually gone back through my notes because I wasn't, I'm sure I, I thought to myself, have I written this question down right? Uh, you started six businesses that failed. What were they? <laughs> Where have I got that from? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, um, 
Yeah, I uh, I read Rich Dad Poor Dad, and it, again, it lit the fire under me. But I didn't have any guidance. I didn't have the guide that I just explained to you that hey, I need to figure out this, that, and the third before I pick a business. I picked every business. I told you, I looked up everything that had to do with investing, with passive income, with putting money here so I can get this amount back. Like I was just like, I need to start having my money work for me. So <laughs> I caught the bug. Daniel it was insane. Okay. It was crazy. The very first business I started was a drop shipping store, and nice. luck- luckily enough. I still have that store to this day. It's super passive. I have a VA that runs it. We make a few hundred to sometimes a few thousand dollars a month. I do nothing in that business, but that business failed for a very long time. And I was just spending money on marketing. It was terrible, um, yeah. especially the first year. Like I literally didn't have a sale for, I think six to eight months, and but I but I endured it. And that's part of my story, right? That that first six months after reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, um, I started another, I started, so I started a drop shipping business. I started a Kindle publishing business. I came out with eBooks. I had an alias. I'm not going to tell you what that was. Don't ask. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you did a drop shipping one, even that first one, because even I've had a go at drop sh- a drop shipping business. And uh, I got to the point where I obviously because my background's brand, and I'd kind of I have all the tools to make it look and sound perfect. But then when it came to the rest of it, the marketing and stuff, I was like this is going to go way over my head and it's going to involve much more um, investment of, of, well, money, but also time. And I kind of just paused it before I even got down that rabbit hole. But interesting, interesting that you'd done it. Absolutely. And and I think you, you hit the nail right on the head. I didn't know that. Daniel, I'd never been in business. I didn't know that you had to spend money every single month. I was just like, oh my goodness, this is crazy. So you mean I had need to spend this money month after month and not see any return? I did that. So I didn't know that. So I start six businesses and they need to all function. They all need marketing money. I'm just like, dude, I don't have that. So again, six months in with six businesses, I was done. Mm. I was done. I was depleted. I was exhausted. Savings were gone. I was finished. I was just like, I can't, this can't go on. Like, I don't see how people do this. So again, I started the wrong way because I was just hungry enough to try to figure it out. I just needed to do something. And you you can probably appreciate this, but my mindset in starting multiple businesses was that one of them is going to hit. One of them has to hit. And as soon as I see some type of light from one of them, whether it's a sale or a client or a customer or service asked or rendered, I'm going to go all in on that one. And I just kept hoping and praying and just kept working. And it was like, one of them has to work. And again, lo and behold, by the end of that year, I was flat broke. What's interesting, I came across a little snippet of an interview with Gary Vaynerchuk on LinkedIn. And um, I think someone had put a question to him about um, having like two businesses and where you put all of your time. And he, Gary had said that it actually makes sense to do that kind of, uh, I don't know if he said 80-20 split, but he definitely said to have something that runs alongside your uh, business because you can use that as a vehicle to test or road test um, ideas or try different um, business models through this kind of like sideline business, whereas the other one is kind of your go-to. So he... He kept a lean version of what I think you did with your six. So he had the one which he was testing different things through um, and the one that was just there chugging away steadily on, on bringing him some income in, but. Well, yeah, well, yeah, no, that's that's exactly how you're supposed to do it. And that's how I do it now. Like I, everything is staggered. I started those six businesses 
almost at one time, like it was a three month span where I started all those businesses. Now, the way I do things is I start one business. I have one focus. I get that to viability. I get that to where I can put automation in and I can have assistance, run the business, make sure that it's making money. And then I move on and start the next business. So there's, they're very staggered now. Like I, again, I learned this through experience, but before I just needed to quit my job. So I was just like, start everything, do everything. What works? We'll go there. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, yeah, you, you, you'd be a lot calmer now than you were. Six businesses, that just sounds insane. Um, and obviously it was now when you look back. So in fact, when I, just saying that when you look back that's a good point for me to ask um, a question that I do like to ask um, every guest that comes on if you met yourself 10 years ago what would you say to yourself uh, 10 years ago I was in college and um, I was uh, I was training I was really just training they t- again they told me I needed to get into one of these these Harvards of the accounting world as far as a job goes so I um, I was running an organization. I, I was actually a volunteer at an organization, which was um, our volunteer organization on campus at our college. And we had about 300 members, I think at the time I was volunteering. Then I slowly got promoted to like marketing chair. And then I com- got promoted to assistant director all the way up until I was running the organization myself. And this is uh, the, now this is now the biggest volunteer organization in our city, not only at our university, but in our city. So I was just building accolades um, in order to be a cookie cutter, you know, this is my resume type of person. Once I got uh-huh. to, you know, interviews and all of that for corporate and again, I was training. So, um, what, what's crazy is those skills that I acquired then, um, are, they, they help me more now with what I'm doing than what I did in corporate. Like corporate just wanted to see that you were versatile. You had all these things on your resume. Like I ran boards, I was doing a whole lot in college, but, but it didn't really help me in corporate. It's just, they wanted to know that you were doing those things. But now that I'm an entrepreneur, like all those things I did in, in, in college, like before we had email lists, like I was creating handwritten email lists. Every time we had somebody come up to a booth, they wanted to volunteer. I mean, we were hand putting emails in Excel by the thousands and I didn't didn't know that you can have a MailChimp or a CRM or a convert kit or anything like that. I was, I was just learning as I went how to do these things and how to get more volunteers and how to put people places where we, we can do use volunteer hours. You know, again, I was running, um, I was running, um, food service advisory boards for our school where we were picking out, you know, we're eliminating straws and environmental safety and all this stuff. And we're do, just doing so much to where it was just like, wow, like I can see the direct impact of things that I'm doing here in college. It's, it's having on, you know, in the city. And again, all of those didn't really correlate to what I was doing in, in corporate, but they correlate to what I'm doing now. So I, I'm the type of person I don't have any regrets. There's not a single thing I would change. I wouldn't, I don't think I would per se give myself any advice to be like, Hey, don't go that way. Like I would still want to experience everything that I've experienced. And I think that's something you often hear a lot from entrepreneurs. So you would see you, this is you now going back in time, 10 years, seeing DeRay in college, you just walk straight past and go, you do you carry let, on. Let, let him do his thing. <laughs> let him do his thing. <laughs> I haven't had a guest say that yet. So that's a really I mean, I might whisper a few things. I might be like, all right, well, all right. So in, in 2017, there's there's going to be this, this hurricane and, you know, watch out for this and do this and put insurance here and don't hire these. I'm, I, honestly, I, again, I, I'm being, I'm being, I'm being playful. I would really... Yeah, I, I thank God that I experienced everything that I've experienced. I needed to experience those things for sure. I agree, and there's not a lot that I look back on and think, you know, if I even if I went back, that I would say, yeah, you, you want to make sure you don't do that. I tend not to think of 
Um, I certainly don't want to look back and have regrets, but more that they were there for a reason. And it's like, I'd call it character building. Um, right. To, you know, making me the person that I am, good or bad. Um, sometimes you've got to go through the bad to actually realize what good is. Absolutely, I 100% agree. It's our, um, it's, it's our, it's our barometer. Again, you you can't enjoy the finer things in life. You can't truly, you can experience them, but you can't enjoy them unless you you have something to measure that against. Absolutely. So I like that answer. I think that's a good one. Um, I'm looking at my time here. So we're doing well on time. I actually got a couple more questions on um, your business, your brand. So when I'm saying your business, your brand, I'm talking, well, let me open it up because would you say that you have a personal brand or a business brand? How do you feel? I would say I have a personal brand. And the way my personal brand came about is this. I bought a few single family homes and I started making some passive income, like I told you back in 2016 and I got fired. I was like, whoa, I wasn't expecting, I mean, I was expecting it, but I wasn't expecting it. (laughs) And um, I went to go get another job only because I hadn't yet built up my portfolio where I needed it to be. And I wanted to learn a little bit more about, you know, how to read financial statements and how to forecast things in the future. So I went to go get another job again. This is something that I read right out of Rich Dad Poor Dad. Like why go to school to learn how to read financial statements and how to forecast and all this stuff and pay them money when you can just go get a job and they're going to teach you that stuff anyways. And you get paid for it. Like I learned that straight out of Rich Dad Poor Dad. I was like, okay, well, I got five. I need to learn a a little bit more to really feel comfortable in this space. Let me not go to school again. Let me go get a job that's paying me six figures. Let me do that. How about that? Right. So I went to go get a job and um, I learned everything that I could in that first year, first first year, year and a half. And, you know, it was one of those things where. I started um, I started to look at how to grow my portfolio faster. And again, this job that I had, um, they were creating financial statements for really large apartments um, for, you know, investors who invested in really large buildings. So I was I was reviewing those statements and all that. So, so I had a good idea of what they were investing in their investment criteria, how much they all, all that stuff. Right. Because I'm actually reporting that stuff back to the investors. That was my job. So when I um, when I decided I wanted to go bigger at the time, my biggest property was a four unit building. It was a fourplex. Well, while this company is investing in like 300 unit buildings, right? Um, when I decided that I wanted to go bigger, I didn't, I don't have any money to go bigger. Again, I had started six businesses and I failed. The only thing I had was my portfolio. And now I have this new job, but I want to go bigger, better. How do I do that? Well, again, I learned a strategy, right? Based on the resources that I had, the knowledge that I had, and I knew I had no money. I learned a strategy that allowed me to buy large apartment buildings, which was basically a syndication model. While raise the money from other investors. The way I went about learning that strategy was I hired a mentor. This mentor is a billion dollar apartment guy. Like he, he's like, he's on it, but his business model was unique. Daniel It was very unique. And I was drawn to that. And the way he went about his business, he had a partner. His partner was the real estate guy who was on the real estate side of things. Don't get me wrong. He he was a real estate guy as well, but his partner really just talked to the sellers and made offers and did all the deals. All Joe, my, my, uh, my mentor did, all he did was be the brand. All he did was be the front facing guy. So what I mean by that is, again, they don't buy apartments with their own money. They buy apartments with investors money. Well, how do you find so many investors to build up your portfolio? You have a brand. So this guy, he created a podcast and um, it's one of it's probably the second biggest real estate podcast out there today. 
And he's not he, called Ray Wood by any chance, is he? No, he, no he's not. He's not. <laughs> <laughs> he has a second, second big, and his longest running daily real estate podcast, which means he has a podcast episode every single day for the past five years with a different guest. So you can imagine the amount of connections that he's building on a daily podcast after one year he has 365 guests. That's insane. So he literally builds his following off of his brand. So again, his partner does the deals. I mean, they both do the deals together, but all my mentor does, or the main thing that my mentor does is he builds connections. He forms relationships. He's the front face. He, he, he raises the money. And when I when I hired him, I paid him like 10 grand. And I was just like, teach me everything that you know, <laughs> right? Because I want to be able to scale my portfolio because I don't have any more money. So I yeah. pay him all this money that I don't have, right? I don't know where I found this money because I was broke at the time. I had failed in all those businesses. I found a way to pay him this money. And I was just like, all right, teach me everything you know. I've given you like I've given you my life. You, you literally have my life in your hands. What are you going to tell me to do, Daniel? The first thing Joe tells me to do, he doesn't tell me, hey, go analyze this deal or hey, this is how you start raising money or this is what you do. He tells me, mind you, I come from a corporate background, super stern, shirt and tie. He tells me, hey, go, 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 go on social media and build a platform. Okay. I, I said, I said, <laughs> what? I said, I paid you 10 grand. You better, you better tell me something else. <laughs> he says, go build a platform. And I was like, well, I paid this guy and this is what he wants me to do. So I might as well do it. So I start to think, what what is a platform? How do I build this thing? And what will it look like? And I started thinking like, all right, I'm gonna build a real estate software where it's like a forum and people will talk. And I was like, oh, that's too much work. It takes a lot of money and time and effort. How am I gonna, okay, well, maybe I'll build a YouTube channel. No, I don't like to you know, be on camera yet. I don't even know. Uh, okay, maybe I'll do articles and blogs. Well, I probably wouldn't be consistent at that. And I was like, well, uh, maybe I'll just do what Joe does and just do a podcast. How about I do that? So. Couple months later, I was like, Joe, all right, I'm done. I built the I built the platform. It's called Before the Millions. This is my concept. I'm gonna be interviewing people and then blah, 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 blah. And you know, the crazy thing about that, I didn't want to do it. I wasn't super keen on doing it, but that was where all of my joy came from. Yeah. Helping people, talking to people, uh, building connections. And till this day, that platform, which started off as a podcast, turned into my coaching business. And now we're doing multiple six figures just because he said, before I teach you anything about investing and raising money, you need to have a platform. Man, was that the best investment in my life? That's how I started. <laughs> that's how I started my brand. I love it. I love it. And yeah, and people will see, I think, when they go on that, that it is very much a personal brand because they're going to be working with you um, at the end of the day if they if they want you to um, coach them. And it, it, it has to get across everything that you stand for. Um, it, it's, it's important. Was there a point where you, you, was it right at the beginning when you'd been asked to set up the platform that did you even realize that you were starting a brand? I'm trying to find out at what point do you start to question, have I got a brand? You know, mm. do, what is a brand? At what point were you even thinking those questions? I think that came around the second iteration of the of kind of like the redesign. And that's where you came in, Daniel. I don't know if you remember, but that's when I came to you and got your expertise and you completely changed the look and the image of everything. I don't know if you even know that, but yeah. Dude, my this is actually, it was actually, year, this is going back years. And I, when I'm saying years, I mean, what must it be? Four years yeah, ago? Yeah. Um, I think... If I'm it's, right. it's four years. Yeah, you're right. 
it was very much you, nothing nothing reflected you if yep. i remember yep um and so it was dragging out what was deray and getting it visualizing it in the site for a start so that, that you could have something that would be you know something to feel a bit proud of something that became a little bit synonymous with the kind of material that you were putting out there but i think i i, I mean i'm not being harsh but i look back now and think that that's ready for some that's looking like it's ready for Absolutely. a little bit a little bit of a revamp i'm doing myself an injustice there there's some good stuff on it though i do quite i mean i definitely think we achieved what we wanted to when we set out um to change the look of it oh yeah um, and Absolutely. what impact did it have on the on the business side i mean what kind of stuff happened as a result of you or us working together and addressing that brand. Can you remember like what yeah, the changes were? You know, this 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 may not be a typical answer you may think of, but I think this should be everyone's number one answer. At least it was for me. But what really changed was my confidence. Mm -hmm. That's what really changed because it, I mean, again, you have this for you have this. It's almost like you know, first impressions matter, and you have this 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 image as soon as you get to beforethemillions.com, and it's just it's just instant credibility it's instant notoriety it's instant authority and you you again you feel like you're wielding some type of power now so i would say the first thing really is not monetary it's not connections it's not networking but it was my confidence yeah and in business when you've got that the rest kind of falls into place do you think is a fair comment i think that's super fair i think that's super fair like if you don't if you the way that you are the way that you act the way that you talk um just whatever you put out into the world seems to come back which sounds kind of like hocus pocus but i'm only really starting to get a proper grasp or feel of it and it, you know if you if you come across timid or salesy or whatever then you're gonna struggle and to have that just genuine honesty, authenticity, or call it what you want, just being who you are, doing what you do, the right things will happen. Does that yeah. sound weird for me to say that? No, that I, I think you're, you're totally spot on. That's that's definitely a great insight. But you know, a lot of us are trying to be other people. We're trying to you know live up to somebody else's expectation, and that often doesn't doesn't give us satisfaction or fulfillment or even success. Absolutely. So listen, what are the big term plans, long term for before the millions? What you make, what where are we going with it? What are you doing with it? You're right. Um, so one thing I learned a long time ago through all those eras is that it's not that you start a ton of businesses and you try to you know make them succeed and you move on and you you know you you, you try to start another ton of business and you make them succeed. But one thing that I've learned that the really 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 prominent entrepreneurs do is that they're reiterating the same business and they're finding ways in that business to make it better, to make it bigger, to make it better, to make it more expansive, to make it on a global level. Like they're, they're consistently working on that business. Right. So what I mean is like, you know, I have um, a coaching program and I, and I buy real estate and every single day I'm working on improving those systems. I'm not working on finding the next shiny object. I'm just like, all right, well, you know, how do I make this year's coaching success better than last year's coaching success? How do I, you know, run my webinars now this year? How do I improve on those webinars? How do I make my copy better? Right. So I'm consistently reiterating how to grow 
a very niche business in two different industries. And I think that, that um, that's what I'm going to continue to do, right? So when I look forward, I, I obviously want to grow the business. And I want to invest in a lot more property and buildings and, and things of that nature. I want to keep a lot more as well. Um, but I want to continue to refine a system that I've started building a few years ago and just continue getting better and continue honing in and continue getting bigger, continue having more of an impact. I think that is a, an entrepreneur trait is that like striving for perfection you'll do something regardless of the industry that you're in and in in a week a month's time maybe even the day's time you'll look back mm-hmm. and go i didn't really do that as well as i could have done do, does that ring true with you oh yeah absolutely and but i i i also think that it's it's a rite of passage and it's how you do things i think that most people um, most people, Daniel, they will, they will try to strive for perfection. And you, you probably have had clients like this to where they want everything perfect the first time around, right? They want it to go well. They want it to be the best the first time around. And therefore they either, they, there, there's so much that they have to worry about that they never really start to do it or they do start to do it. And it takes so long and maybe they, they lose interest or they stop. Right. And my, my, my mindset is get that first terrible iteration out there. And because mm-hmm. it's out there, because it's representing you, you're going to continue to work on it. You're going to continue to tweak it. You're going to get to my first webinar. I probably had like one person on it. Right. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to get it out there. It was terrible. My mic didn't work. Right. I just wanted to get it out there because I knew that if I got it out there, I'm going to be able to come back and improve it continuously. So yeah. I think that, you know, the, the trial and error part is super significant. Like I, I, I don't want, you know, perfectionism is, a, is such a disease. It's such a disease. Uh, get that first order. Yeah, go ahead. It's horrible for designers as well, because um, that essentially is what we do for our clients. We get things right and present them in a way that the client goes, this is what I want. This is exactly, it's a, it's a, it is a process of getting things right. So when it comes to working on our own stuff, the bug of perfection is is like there on your shoulder constantly mm. and that was one of my biggest mind shifts to working on my own thing is just to just to get stuff out even though i could sit for days and nitpick and change and move and probably never ever be happy but just for goodness sake if you're going to do the podcast get the podcast done mm-hmm. get it out there and just run with it you know and i listened back to one of my first episodes over there and i'm cringing I'm going, oh, <laughs> but i had to do it we've we went, talked about this earlier didn't we you've got to do it and learn and, and, and progress and yes it's, if you can't sit back and say what you did wrong um i don't think you ever go forward Absolutely. Probably a good summary absolutely listen we're coming up to an hour and i still haven't asked my um question that again it's a uh, question for every guest is i like them to pick a boldest brand for each episode so deray who who would you like to choose or what would you like to choose to be the boldest Uh, brand of this episode (laughs) (laughs) oh man this is this is a loaded question and i'm just trying to i'm trying to scour now and think of uh, there's so many awesome brands out there and um we talked a little bit before the show about some some of my favorite brands and more specifically the 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 brand owners um but but i really have a favoritism towards people who who go against all odds i think we all do that's why we watch movies right most movies are you know the, the the protagonist is like up against all 
all odds and they're trying to figuring it out. You know, Steve the Jobs. The hero's journey. There you go. There you go. The hero's <laughs> journey. That's exactly what it is. And Steve Jobs is a great example of him being on the hero's path and, you know, him getting kicked out of his own company. And how does he how does he get back and how does he build this this company? And, you know, Elon Musk is the same way, like, oh, my goodness, like this is crazy. Like this guy's going to go bankrupt and what is going on? And all of a sudden he does it. And, you know, so I, I, I really I really admire the, the the brand owners or, you know, the CEOs and the, the people who have actually uh, put put their uh, companies in place. I mean, Amazon, Jeff Bezos, like that's another great example, uh, even even the Google. Right. I mean, there's just there's just so many out there and it's, it's hard to pick one. But you've uh, got to, though. That's the rules. <laughs> you can't just fire off every multi-billionaire uh, owner of a brand. OK, on, I'm going to I'm going to pick one close to home. I'm going to I'm going to go back to my my first mentor. Uh, his name is Joe Fairless. And I'm going to pick his brand just because I never saw anybody at the time operate a business where every single business kind of fed into each other, right? From, from somebody that I knew in person, right? I see Amazon and all these companies do it all the time. But when, you know, this guy, this guy is a real estate investor and he's using his brand to raise money. And that same brand is bringing him coaching students. And that same brand is bringing him affiliate revenue. And that same brand is creating partnerships and other deals. It's just like, oh my goodness. Like he used this one thing, the leapfrog and launch pad, so many other things. And, you know, it's, been really admirable to see him do that. So ever since I saw him do that, I've really paid attention to, that's why I brought up all those companies. I've really paid attention to the different services that different brands offer and how they build one on top of the other and how they make it work so seamlessly. And uh, it's something that I, I feel as though um, I, I'm working on and I've been able to do a little bit as well. Brilliant. So listen, I, I think that's a really good well, we've done a couple of awesome brands for Boldish Brand, but to end on that one, I'm going to put a link because anyone that gets a mention, I try to put um, you know a bit of a, a link in the show notes. I'm going to put a link to either Joe's site or whatever you think would be most useful for anybody that wants to go and check out a little bit more about Joe. And look at that. I'm looking at my timing and ping, we've just gone over one hour. So I am, I think that's, what an awesome interview I've really enjoyed the chat DeRay do you feel like we've have I have I covered as much as you would have or you expected to have, have talked about on the show yeah, absolutely. I think we had a, an amazing conversation. Hopefully I've been able to provide some sort of little bit of value for your listeners, if not at least some inspiration so that they can go off to work or go off to their uh, to their to their business and, and, and really just uh, have the leg up for the day, if not the month or the week. Um, I think we did an amazing job, Daniel. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, I think all that's left for me to really say is, listen, DeRay, thank you very much for coming on the show. Um, give me the time and, and offering your advice for anyone that listens to this episode. Um, please go check out the race site. We'll be putting all the links to his assessment tools if you are interested in getting into real estate. Um, yeah, thank you very much for coming on the show, Dere. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you. So here we are, the end of another episode. I'd just like to say thank you very much for tuning in. It really does mean a lot to me. And if you've been sat listening, pondering your own brand and have decided that perhaps it's not quite as strong as you would like, then why not take my brand strength test? I've designed it to be an indication of just how well your brand is performing. The best thing is it's completely free. So if you hit the links button in the player, that'll then take you through to my Brandscape strength test. 
There's also a direct link found in the show notes as well. And it will uncover six core areas of your brand that we will take a look at and decide how well are they performing? Are they performing as well as you want? And could areas be improved? You'll get a customized report that I will deliver one-to-one with you. And that's it. That's all there is to it. So go on, click it. It's free. What are you waiting for? If you've enjoyed the show, don't forget to leave a review. And the podcast is available to subscribe on all of the major download platforms. Spotify, iTunes and Google Podcasts, amongst others. You can follow me on social media, LinkedIn, Facebook. All of those are available via my website. And remember, if you're not proud of your brand, how do you expect anyone else to be? Music